Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. This week, we read The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson, chapters 35, 36, and 37, wherein Kaladin weathers a storm, Shalon gets a lesson, say a valuable lesson, I don't know, uh, I don't know that I'd go quite that far, and then we find out some interesting stuff about young Kaladin and Liren. I think these are these are a few uh, pretty interesting chapters, I feel like. I'm Data, and with me today is... Joe, Jack, and Jamie. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. So yeah, three chapters. Like I said, I feel like there are uh, some pretty interesting things happening. What did you guys think of these three chapters? Uh, well, old Joe, just so you guys know, is a little under the weather, so I'm going to sound a little funny, and I may have to take a pause or two. But yeah, these chapters were, were actually really cool. We got some interesting twists, turns. I feel like even the first chapter would have been a twist if we hadn't predicted that he was going to survive. But it was kind of interesting to see how he survived, and then them coming to find him that was kind of a triumphant moment even if it was also kind of sad because it's like yeah he survives but at the same time like what a what a thing to have to go through <laughs> doesn't sound fun you know i thought i thought maybe we were going to get like some display of of amazing magical ability and he wouldn't you know he wouldn't have to be subjected to quite as much pain as he was subjected to that did not happen. So, yeah, cool to cool to see, sad to watch or read. And so, you know, we have that piece. We have this land piece shocked. I really am shocked at what Yasna does, and then that it pushes Shalon to actually steal steal the. Uh, oh, I can't even remember what it's called right now. My brain's soul not caster. working. The Soulcaster, yeah, the fact that she actually stole it was shocking to me. So. I was not expecting that at all. It was a real, it was actually a real twist. So uh, now, you know, she stole it. She hasn't escaped. So we don't know necessarily what she's going to be doing with it at this point, if she's going to try to escape and go back home or, or not. But she did, she did at least switch them out. So it's a pretty big deal. And then uh, and then the last chapter, we get some, some more background which you know i was as i was reading this i was thinking back to what i said before where i'm like man these really do feel like just interruptions in our story and i know it's important to know for the characters but at the same time like it just feels like such an interruption to what we've been reading and i while this one was very important and i'm glad i read it i still felt the same way i was like yeah this just feels like a interruption to what we've been kind of reading at this point and while yes i wanted to read it and it obviously had a very important and had very important story stuff going on with it at the same time i was kind of like okay can we get back to like the regular story now so 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, did I enjoy it? Sure. But it was just a little not quite what I was looking for as far as the flashback. Well, at least the way that they're placed is not really my cup of tea. But so that's all I got. Yeah, you were you were pretty certain that she wasn't going to be able to bring herself to steal the Soulcaster. And then for a minute there, she wasn't like I, she said, like, no, I can't do it. And I'm sure you were like, oh, yeah, see, called it. And then it turns around a little bit. Yeah, which like I get why she's turned around a little bit. You know, you kind of see it. I, I feel like I see it from Yasna's perspective and her perspective at the same time. Yeah, they both have a point. Sure. Yeah, these were good. Uh, yeah, first two chapters were great. I loved Kaladin and I loved uh, Shalan's chapters. I I uh, had a bit of a chuckle when Kaladin's out in the storm and he sees the face looking at him in the storm. It's like, oh, I know what you are. And then it was really cool just to sit like we didn't get his perspective of him waking up. We actually saw the others and saw I think it was Teft. So it was nice to see, oh, this is where he really is just becoming a bit of a myth mm-hmm. because like, he's the guy who survived the storm. So that was cool. I liked Yasna and Shalan. I agree. I think it's like, I can see both sides of what you guys are saying here, but this is still like a really tricky and terrifying situation. So that was there. Yeah, that, that that was a whole thing after what Yasna did to their muggers. And then, yeah, like there's a, there's a note in our paperbacks that we've got here. Like Brandon chose specifically this to be the point where he split the book into two volumes and because he said like this is like the natural place to wrap up part one and start and start part two. So like and having read it now, it's like, okay, I see it. It's a really cool moment. It's like this is where, you know, Shalana's done what she's came come here to do. So yep, this works. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, he specifically like Brandon points out in those notes, like, yeah, I could have ended it at the end of like the other interludes, but that just didn't feel like the right place. So this works. As for the chapter with young Kaladin, I agree with Joe. I think Everything that we're reading is important for the character, and I'm sure it will come to play in the story. And it's well written, and I enjoy reading them, but I am to the point it's like, okay, I feel like these bits just need to get on with it a bit. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, you, you, you both have uh, the same feeling, so I can kind of see where it's coming from. Yeah. That, uh, just, yeah, yeah it's just so different from everything else. So different, but also they're cropping up so frequently. I feel like... Yeah, without knowing what's to come, I feel like it could be, it could have condensed some of them, maybe not this one, but some of the others we've had into like a couple of chapters into one chapter and mm-hmm. like space space them out a bit more or something. I don't know. I just I feel like they're constantly coming up and it's like now we're pretty much all right. Every few chapters we're going to get another Kaladin flashback. I'm like, okay, is something like you know it just yeah they just happen really frequent. I'm like you could space this out a bit more. I think maybe. I guess it depends on what they're building to, if anything. That is true. You got to figure there's some point, like you said, they they got to come into play somehow. Yeah, well, that's fair. It's uh, that's interesting. What? Because obviously I haven't read the broken into two pieces thing, so uh, I haven't read that note that he put in. But I agree that it, it kind of makes sense. And I said that before when you told us what chapter it was, and I went back to look. I was like, you know what? That that seems like a reasonable place for that. Yeah, yeah. He he does like he puts the same note at the start of volume two. Which is just, uh, oh, yeah, like, this is why we decided to split it here. Like, aside from the fact that, you know, saying this is the start of part two, it's the exact same note. And then mm-hmm. right at the end, he says, by the way, if you hadn't read volume one before this, you probably should. Good. I was going to ask if he did that. That <laughs> seems like uh, something that you'd want in there. Yeah. Yeah. Just in case someone did get it for Christmas. This uh, is like, not so- the Someone gave one. them. Here's, here's the way of Kings. I'm like, yeah, this is part two of book one. Uh, that yeah, it, it and who knows how many people g- got it and didn't even read that note. But 
it, yeah. it's there. So, you know, you can't complain that they didn't warn you yeah. if you didn't read it. I just thought it was interesting that he chose the the splitting point himself. He says that, that is in good his that note. they let him, yeah. I would have thought, oh, maybe the publisher could do that, uh, would do that. But no, like, that's, like, he, like they allowed him to pick him. Like, okay, that's that's very big of him. Yeah, for the best, probably. Hmm. Like somewhere in here, publishing wise, you have to have a break between, mm. you know, somewhere in this chapter to this chapter. You you choose. Um, yeah. yeah, I believe that. It's kind of a, a, a so I'm kind of going to start backwards, I think. The the cutoff where it was, yeah, it felt very much like uh, if you're watching a stage show and you get to the end of Act One and it's like, oh, yeah, I can see. I can see you've got just enough suspense and, and just enough answers to sort of go, yes, okay, I'm happy with where we are, but there's enough to get you to come back for the next book. Because I then going back into that chapter with Shalan, I was like, is that where we ended? No, that's the middle of the book. Yeah, uh, middle of what we read. Yes, confused. With Shalan and Yasna, I was, I was really thinking she was going to chicken out. And she was going to chicken out until, like, the last mm-hmm. page. But I, it was enough to be a bit shocking. Like, that was the drive. She was going to do it. She was going to do it. And then she's like, no, nah, I failed. I've got to go tell my family that I can't do it. Oh, my God, what have I put my, my house through and all that sort of stuff? Because things were looking really promising for her with, with Yasna. And now Yasna's shown her mm, other side a little bit. And yeah, it's it's kind of put her over the edge. So I'm I'm really excited to see what Shalan does next. Now that she's she's in that position, so she she got further than I thought she would be able to. But we'll see we'll see what happens there with what Hiyazna did. Like, yep, kind of see her point. Sort of see her backstory. Well, obviously coming into play, there's something there's something we don't know about her past. I would imagine. But wow, we got to see some some soul casting powers that I hadn't really considered before, mm-hmm. so, which was quite scary. And I I don't blame Shalan for being a little bit terrified. It's like, actually, maybe maybe I don't want to, maybe I don't want to learn from you. Maybe I don't want to hang out from you. <laughs> it's a really, it's going to be a really interesting turn or a decision-making moment, I think, for Shalan. But she's she's got soul caster now, so we'll see what happens. The stuff with... Kaladin, he was cool. Like, I, I think we knew, well, we'd already said he was going to survive. It didn't make sense to to get rid of him just yet in the story. I I liked having Tech's viewpoint a little bit when, when they discovered him and he, he had that I'll open my eyes moment that he, he said he would. So that was, that was pretty cool. Inside the Storm, I'm glad we got the perspective inside the Storm. That sounds horrific. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's like I knew it wasn't going to be good. No one wants to be out there. If it was a pleasant rainstorm where you could, you know, dance around in the rain, people wouldn't be so, you know, <laughs> stuck up on, on making sure they find shelter. It was never going to be a good thing. But, wow, that's that's rough. If you thought it sucked to be a Bridgman, <laughs> it sucks to be a Bridgman out <laughs> in the high school. That was, that was pretty intense. The, 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 the faith popping up and, and finally getting to see something with the stormlight there and then Teft gets the question as well about hang on a minute it's it should be infused why is it gone I thought that was that was quite cool as well and then tying it into Cal's conversation like with his mother and then with Liren while I I agree that those chapters can be a bit 
uh, like disjointed from everything else we're doing. I feel I feel okay with them where they are. I feel like it. I I have faith that it will tie in at the appropriate moment. It's a bit like like anyone who watched Lost, and then you've got all these flashbacks and stuff that pop up within an episode, and then it all ties together at the end. Mm. And I loved when it first came out. So like I'm like, okay, I'm gonna learn something here that's gonna help me in the next bit. And every time we get a flashback, I'm like, that's it. This is when Tien's gonna die. This is the end. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm gonna do when something actually happens to Tien in one of these flashbacks, because every time I'm preparing myself for it. But I I was so sure that he like he had made the decision to be a soldier to then change his mind and, and for, for pretty good reasons but like learning what we did about what his dad did and the the conversations about like what the people are doing to sort of help them without actually giving them money and I think oh, there was something else that was going to tie in no I think it was about him not being a soldier because I was so sure where he ended up and then like where he was in the flashback that we were going to go and see him trained to be a soldier so now I've just got more questions about how did he end up where he ended up? What has to happen between this sort of key turning point for him before we meet him for the first time? Yeah. It's it's a bit wild there. And to be like, you know, Sadius seems to be like the high prince over this area that he's in now to end up in Amaram's army, not Sadius's army, unless that's kind of a mm-hmm. subset of Sadius's army. I, I'm not sure how that all fits in. I just, I want to know more. And it's great that we've still got half a book to go. That's the size of a regular book because, um, well done, Brandon. <laughs> you have so much still to know. Okay, so yes, it's it told us back in that first chapter with Kaladin, I had to go make sure it was mentioned, that the, the battle they were fighting, somebody was encroaching on Bright Lord Amaram's territory, the land ultimately owned by a high prince, Sadius. So, uh, so he's a subset, yep. Yeah. There you go. But, uh, yeah, it's and you you brought up something that we talked about a little bit before, where it's like I think a lot of people didn't think Shalon was gonna manage to or bring herself to steal the Soulcaster, but we talked about like if she does, like what does she do next? And so, like you said, that's gonna be really interesting to see from here on out. Like, how do you go on from here without getting caught? Yeah, I think it's 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 good for her that the Soulcaster is not going to work. Right now, she's actually got a bit of a window of time. She hasn't just swapped out a working soulcaster from a not working soulcaster because that's going to prompt some questions. So mm-hmm. when one stone's gone, like I, I just, I think that was considering what she just went through that night. That was incredibly quick thinking to still swap it out. Yep. Like that, she saw the moment and she took it, and that must be exhausting just waiting on the moments there. But I feel, uh, well, and I'll save that for predictions. We'll we'll come back to that. It's all good. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, everyone has also talked about the the flashback and how we feel about the flashback. This is, well, I agree. There have been some that are like, well, you know, maybe did we really need this? And at this point, this one feels very much like, oh, okay, this is some deep stuff we're learning about uh, about Kaladin's past. So I kind of like the way this one went. So I think you had some good points on that one too, because it's, uh, I mean, I see why they would get a little bit old, but uh, every once in a while you get one that's like, oh, hey. This is this is something. Yeah, sorry. It was just a bit word vomit today for me. <laughs> well, there was lots of good stuff in there, so it works out. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, then let us 
move into these chapters, I suppose. The first one is a light by which to see. And the epigraph, once again, we're getting these these feel like very scholarly sort of epigraphs. And this one says, though many wished your Ethereum to be built in Alethella, it was obvious that it could not be. And so it was that we asked for it to be placed westward in the place nearest to honor. And then it's from this is possibly the oldest surviving original source mentioning the city. Uh, and I, I do like the the end, the last bit. What I wouldn't give for a way to translate the Dawn chant, which that's just a cool name for a language. It's the Dawn chant. Yeah, I've got to I got to wonder, like from that. OK, so, so we're seeing someone, some scholar interpret this. Like, is this is this Yasna? Is this her dad? Mm-hmm. Like, why? Wow, they, like, they're, they're clearly very focused on Urithuru. Yeah, like uh, we know that Yasna just recently was asking a question about that uh, when our Arden buddy was here. So something, maybe, yeah, it could be that uh, this is these are Yasna notes or well, her dad. Uh, her, her, yeah, I was gonna say is she only interested because her dad was, and she's trying to piece together what happened to him. Right. Yeah, it could be. Let me get a little more of that here in this uh, in the section that we read too. So. Would you have a male scholar? Like her dad might have been interested in it, but he wouldn't have been like if a man was a scholar and wanting to research, would he just have someone read it all and then write his own thoughts down? Mm. I keep forgetting about that. Well, I don't think they even know how to write. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what she was saying. Like somebody would have to write his thoughts down for him if he wanted to write. Yeah. I think the only like, and and it it, it gets touched on here uh, or in the next chapter rather, but I think the only way that you would have a male like being a real scholar would be if they were a uh, an ardent because the ardents are allowed to read and stuff mm-hmm. since they are property. But yeah, so I I don't know how much research her dad could have done. That's a fair point. Could have had somebody looking into it for him. But yes, first first it's Kaladin, and he is hanging here on the side of and when when we read in the last chapters. That like you know he's tied up by his legs, but his hands are free. I was like, that seems like a weird thing to like leave his hands free. He could try to figure out how to untie himself. And I think we figure out why they do that when this happens because he uh like this the storm wall hits him and it just lifts him up and takes him it, it, like it, a couple paragraphs in it says that he is flapping in the wind like a kite as the wind is like blowing so hard and he's tied to a ring on the roof of the barracks. Horrific. Yeah. And at the same time, there's like big rocks like crashing down around him and stuff. And he's too numb to tell how many of these like bits of debris are slashing against his or open his skin or beating on him. Like it's not just the wind, but it's like freezing cold at the same time. And then it gets so bad that he screams. and It's like, oh, the scream was a mistake. Now the cold is getting in my mouth like a spirit forcing its arm down his throat, which that's a picture. And he gets hold of the ring that he's tied to, and he can use that as a handhold to try to keep himself in place. But it's hard. He's he's still got that sphere in his hand for one thing, but also it's just like the wind is so insane. It's pulling at him all the time. Lightning, thunder, wind, freezing rain. It's just a lot of fun being out here. In the brief moments of light when he dared to look, he thought he saw Syl standing in front of him, her face to the winds, tiny hands forward as if she were trying to hold back the storm. So... That's a friend is Syl. Of course, I guess, you know, she's probably not cold and worried about getting smashed by rocks or whatever. But still, I am the wind. <laughs> I guess she is, I guess. So that's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden it stops and there's blackness and it's like not unconscious blackness. And he's like, oh, geez, I'm dead. That, that, I must have died. 
but why am I still on a wet roof if I'm dead? This isn't fun. <laughs> what fresh hell is this if I can still feel what's happening to me when I'm dead? <laughs> <laughs> that does seem we, unfair. We do keep thinking things can't get worse for Kaladin, and so that seems like exactly in line with how things have got so far, if he manages to die and still be suffering. Yeah. It's like uh, the South Park music kicks in. It's like, little boy, you're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I remember that. Yep. Oh, great movie. Brent Spiner is Conan O'Brien. Completely random Star Trek related. That was Brent Spiner? Apparently, yeah, according to the credits for the movie. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Random, right? Anyway. <laughs> so, as he's lying here in the darkness, there is suddenly a face in front of him. So, it says an enormous face appears just in front of his. So, it's a giant face right in front of his face, but also it's an enormous face it extends far to either side and yet somehow he can still see it like the whole thing inhuman smiling so yeah that's not creepy or anything a ginormous smiling face pops up right in front of you in the middle of the storm planet shot is just like a ooh, another one <laughs> that's the stuff of nightmares honestly the creepy smiling i think is the thing that pushes me over <laughs> it's like, oh, yes oh. it is it's the smile yeah yeah Wet enough for you? <laughs> yeah, just going to have a conversation. Uh, and then the sphere in his life flares to life. Like it's suddenly in, infused with stormlight. And he can see for a moment and sees that his shirt is in tatters, his skin lacerated. And he's so shocked that he looks up at the face and it's gone. And then the storm comes again. Not as strong as before, but the rain's still cold. And he passes out. And then we get the rock pers- or uh, the Teft perspective, sorry, after the storm and rock is the fir- is eager. He's the first one out the door when the storm starts to calm down and Teft does not want to go. I, I I love the randomness of it's like his knees always hurt near a storm. His grandfather had complained about that in his later years and Teft had called him daft. Now he felt it, too. Yeah, what goes around, comes around. My man. <laughs> uh, and so he's he's going out in the rain. He. He, he's thinking how stupid Rock is for believing that that what Kaladin said before the storm. But at the same time, he wants to also believe it. So he doesn't want to look. He doesn't want confirmation that Kaladin is dead because then he'll, he'll be let down. And he looks up and it's like, yep, the corpse looked like a hunk of slaughterhouse meat skinned and bled. Was that a person? So that's that's not a good start to. <laughs> I mean, at that point, do you yeah. even want to be alive? <laughs> I mean, you know, sure. And so uh, his skin is sliced in a hundred places, blood still dribbling, mixing with the storm water. Ironically, his face was cleaner now than when they left him, washed by the storm. And he's thinking, uh, you almost made me believe. And Kaladin's eyes snap open and everyone freaks the fuck out because you would. And he drops the sphere and there's no <laughs> stormlight in the sphere. He's like, who's been tap dancing on my chest? <laughs> And Teft is like, what on earth? You leave us here out in the storm. It gets gathered storm, gathered stormlight. That's what it does. What happened? And Rock is so excited that he's not even speaking uh, Alethi. He's yammering on in his own language for a bit. And he's like, oh, right, right. We need a ladder. And Teft seems to know something about something because he thinks an empty sphere after a storm and a man who's still alive when he should be dead. Two impossibilities. Together, they bespoke something that should be even more impossible. And we end the chapter with him being like, Kaladin, you better survive, son, because I want some answers. So there's something there. We don't get to know what, but something's up with Cal. Something's up with Cal. Something's up with <laughs> Teft. 
Something's up with Teft. Yeah, Cal sounds better because it sounds more yeah. like Jack. I just, I can't wait for um to be king. For Sadius's reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yes, touche. Uh, for Sadius's reaction to this, when it's like. Uh, so you know that bridge bridge leader who we left out in the storm? Yeah, he's still alive. Fucking what? <laughs> That's not what I wanted to happen. The fuck you say? Jafar's got that line in Aladdin. It's like, how many times do I have to kill you, boy? Yeah, <laughs> gotta be like that. Bridge crew didn't kill him. <laughs> yeah. High storm didn't kill him. Yeah, and that that, that is a big question. How sad he's gonna react now? Damn it, are people going to start believing that I'm merciful? This won't do it all. Can't have that. No, no. That's a relatively short chapter because there's only so much of, uh, like, horrifying beating on Kaladin that we can take at one time. Yeah. But then we go I mean, for... That's, that, that's pretty much most of this book, isn't it? Yeah. Then we go for uh, the longer Shalon chapter, which is called The Lesson. And the epigraph here I also find kind of interesting. Taking the Dawn Shard, known to bind any creature voidish or mortal, he crawled up the steps, crafted for heralds, ten strides tall apiece towards the Grand Temple above. Dude, uh, some steps ten strides tall would be really hard to climb. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not sure how you would do that. <laughs> I guess the heralds are really tall dudes. Well, unless, like, they have, um, I don't know, just shard plate let you jump. Like, oh, that's fair. Really we well. know it does, uh, because that's how Adolin and Dalinar start the battles, is by jumping across the chasm. Oh, that's true, yeah. So m- maybe they're, like they're, once they're all in shard play, they're just, just you know, bouncing their way up like a reverse slinky. Of course, this says he crawled up the steps, which is an interesting verb to use. And the note here says, I found no modern explanation for what these dawn shards are. Although Shallan actually mentioned them not long ago. She said the, the honor blades and the dawn shards were like treasures of legend or something. Oh, thank God, because I was about to say, it's like, I swear we've heard that before, but I can't think when. Yeah, pretty sure that's the only place we've heard them before. Uh, well, except for the fact that uh, it is the name of one of the the short stories, the Stormlight short stories, is uh, called Dawn Shard. Oh, okay. So you may have also heard that name. Possibly. Uh, that one is set between book three and four, if I remember right. Anyway, so Shalon is researching or reading about... King Gavilar, and when he first met the Parshendi. And meanwhile, Yasna is just kind of floating in the bath, just just hanging out, letting her hair just flow out around her. Uh, so we, we find out that, you know, they were out exploring the wilderness when King Gavilar's group ran into these Parshmen out here camping by themselves. And we get what's supposed to be like a first person, like King Gavilar is saying this. We would sometimes run into natives, not parchment, but Natan people with their bluish skin, wide noses, and wool-like white hair. So I think... Oh when, my god. Smurfs. Smurfs, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, when Shalon first shows up in Carbrant, like, of the various people she sees on the, the docks, she sees some people with blue skin. And so this is, I guess, the Natan people have blue skin. And wasn't that guy that we followed for that interlude, didn't he have blue skin? The, oh, I think uh, you're right. He's an Amian, which is the other side of the continent from Natan. But yeah, I oh, think okay. you're, you're right. He's a, he's a spread, the spread searcher, dude. Spread researcher. Yeah. Uh, Axie's the collector. Yeah, Axie's right. the collector. Super metal name for a guy who just like catalogs spread, by the way. He's collecting spread, yeah. you know? Or Ares, as Joe called him. Uh, and so they're like, we couldn't believe this. The Parchman living their own? All logic, experience, and science had declared it to be an impossibility. Parchment need the hand of civilized peoples to guide them. 
This has been proven time and again. Leave one out in the wilderness and it will just sit there doing nothing until someone comes along to give it orders. And yet here they are. They could hunt, make weapons, build buildings. And then we find out something that I find just kind of hilarious about how books work in this world. Because only women are allowed to read or allowed to learn how to read. And men, if they want something read to if, if they want to read a book, they have to have a woman read it to them. But books have undertext, which is little stuff like footnotes at the bottom of the page that it's just understood. You don't read these to the men. And this is where the women who are writing these books can clarify or maybe sometimes just contradict entirely the uh, what uh, the person is actually saying. And here's where it notes. It's like the undertext notes added by the women or ardent or the woman or ardent who scribed the book. So an ardent could also do it. I love it. It's so good. It's hilarious. Yes, I love it. Secret messages. And so Gavel, I guess Yasna wrote this book uh, at her father's bidding. And so he is narrating this. And then she has Yasna puts a note at the bottom. It's like, okay, so first off, I adapted my dad's words to make them more appropriate for recording, which means that she changed what he said to make it sound a little more scholarly and impressive. Uh, but also, most accounts say that King Gavilar in, originally ignored the strange, self-sufficient parchment. It was only after his scholars explained to him how important this was that he got interested, which is that that's amusing that he, he the way he says he's like, oh, we just I discovered this amazing thing. And then she's like, yeah, he really didn't care at first. He was just out there to hunt. And she even notes, she's like, look, I'm not trying to say my father was ignorant. He was and is a warrior. His attention was not on the anthropological import of our expedition, but upon the hunt that was to be its culmination. So, yeah, he was here for hunting. This other stuff is not really his bag. And so we have Yasna has her eyes closed. She's floating around in the pool. And Shalon can see the pouch with the soul caster. And she's, she's just thinking about, like, this is it. This is the moment that I could do it. We found out, I don't know if we knew how old Yasna was. She's 34, which seemed ancient in some regards. Hey. Ouch. Right? Yeah. That's hurtful. And yet it was also young, young enough that Yasna was still praised for her beauty, young enough that men declared it a shame that she wasn't married yet. How old is Shalon? I think she's 17. She's 16 or 17. Something like right in that that range. I went I, I pulled up her wiki page to try to confirm this. So this this story takes place right around the year. 1173 and she's born in 1156 so that would make her about 17 okay so some some women yasna's age had children as old as shalon okay so they had they had children pretty young then yeah which i guess it would have been 17 like they would yep. be having children at shalon's age and now they would be shalon's age and shalon's like i mean can i really betray this woman like this and she thinks considering what i've done before this is nothing it wouldn't be the first time she'd betrayed someone who trusted her which, well, that's just begging for the story of that. And they get into a discussion about, like, why did your father want to make a treaty with the parchment? Like, why did he care? What did they have that the King Gavilar wanted? And Yasna, like, Shalon theorizes maybe shards, because we do know now that the Parshendi have at least a couple of shard bearers, because Dalinar won some shards off of them at some point, And we've seen another. And Yasna's like, yeah, from the things he said, he didn't speak of this specifically, but I suspect that might be what motivated the treaty. She's like, maybe he just wanted the gem hearts. And Yasna's like, yeah, but except the Parshendi didn't care. Like, as far as they were concerned, if you could hunt down the, the chasm fiend, then you deserve to get the gem heart. Like, they didn't care if we hunted them as long as they could still hunt them themselves. 
And then the question is, okay, so why did they kill him? And that is the big question. Nobody knows still. Even Yasna is like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we saw the guy actually kill him, and even Seth didn't know. So this is a big mystery. And Yasna praises Shalon, like, you're progressing more quickly than I'd assumed you would. You were right, and I was wrong to judge you so harshly because of your prior education. You have the determination and capacity to become a respected scholar. And that's when Shalon's just like, I can't do it. I'm an idiot, but I, I came all this way, and I can't do it. What am I going to tell my brothers? I've, I've doomed my family, but I just I can't do this. And she knows, or sorry, Yasna notes that Shalon is kind of anxious. And she's like, you know what? I think you've, we've, you've been penned up in here too long. Let's have a more hands-on lesson. And Shalon's like, ooh, natural science? Because that's her thing. And Yasna's like, I was thinking philosophy. And Shalon's like, wait, what? Philosophy? How is that a hands-on um, <laughs> a hands-on thing? And uh, Yasna doesn't exactly explain. She's just like, no, it is. Come on. <laughs> it's very late. It's dark out, but uh, they're going to go. She says she's going to prove to her that philosophy is a hands-on art. Ah, the old killing them chestnut. <laughs> Do the ends justify the means? I mean, yeah, that's basically what it ends up as, right? Yeah. yeah Yasna just channels her in a Punisher. Right. And so, yeah, they go out into the darkness of the city. And they move away from the busier streets. And Shalon's like, uh, maybe we should call a palanquin. No, a palanquin might inhibit the lesson. I'd be all right learning that lesson during the day, if you don't mind. And uh, yeah, so they start going into some shady parts of town. And Shalon is very uncomfortable with this. And Yasna pulls off the glove that's over her uh, soul caster and shows off these bright stones. And Shalon's like, is, is it wise to be showing your wealth like that brightness? And Yasna says, no, it most certainly is not. The street has gained a particular reputation lately. On three separate occasions during the last two months, people uh, were accosted by footpads and murdered here. And Shalon's like, oh, okay. And apparently the City Watch won't do anything, because even though Teravangian's, <laughs> like, telling them to. So that's not great either. No, it's like people are getting burgled and murdered. And they're just like, yeah, whatever. Whatever the reason, there are no cops here in this very dangerous area. And so then she walks down like a dark, narrow alleyway and Shalon's just like, what are, what are you doing? This is philosophy in action, child. Come with me. And here come some dudes. Some guys creep out of the darkness and uh, they uh, they meant murder. You didn't rob women like Shalon and Yasna, women with powerful connections and leave them alive as witnesses. Nah, got to kill him. And Yasna's like, all right. And here's the lesson. And she there's four guys. And soon there are no guys. Um, Yasna touches one guy and he becomes fire. Like we saw her do with the paper before. Or, well, I guess Shalon saw her. She had a drawing of it. And so it's like the flames are in an outline of a man with his head thrown back for a minute. And then he's just kind of there. He's gone. This is one of those moments. There, there was a similar moment in the wise man's fear where We've lived among this magic system. We've got a decent idea of what it can do and think this is all kind of cool. And the and I never once had the question in the back of my head of what if you use this for horrific purposes? And then mm -hmm. like, like what's stopping you from using like this magic for horrific purposes? And then the answer is absolutely nothing. And they demonstrate in such a shocking and horrifying way. I'm just like, oh, my God, what the fuck? 
like the the bandit like, camp scene in Wise Man's Fear. Bingo. The, the yes. Yeah. That one. And yeah, she just turns a dude into fire. I'm like, oh fuck me, that was messed up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then she touches another guy and he turns into crystal. Yeah. Uh, which like, as, it's, it's one of those. Doesn't matter which one came first. Both are equally fucked up. The fire one shocked me more just because it was first. Right. <laughs> yeah. Crystal one's like she's gonna redecorate her house. <laughs> you want a guy kneeling made out of crystal in your house? It'll look great. Yeah, it's like the White Witch, like, man. She had all the stone statues and stuff. Oh, I, I love, I love this new sculpture you've got in your garden. Thanks, I made it myself. <laughs> yeah, very Medusa. Yeah, there's a guy. His name was uh, well, I didn't catch his name, but uh... <laughs> it was not important. It's fine. Uh, and uh, as she's doing this, the, like the gemstones start to fade in her soulcaster. So the stormlight is being used up, it seems like. Oh, no, her materia is dying. <laughs> and I do like how this guy is now made of crystals, so the light shining from these gems on her soulcaster is like, sends off rainbow sparkles as it refl- refracts through the, the crystal co- dead guy. And the last two guys are like, yeah, we want no part of this anymore. And they run in opposite directions. And she just holds up her hand and Bolts of lightning shoot out in both directions, and each guy turns into smoke with their clothing just dropping to the ground. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And as it happens, the smoke stone on her crystal cracks, and its light vanishes, so she's just got the diamond and the ruby. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I honestly, we don't understand. Obviously, we don't understand the magic system involved here with these soul casters at this point. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like they can make pretty much anything with these things. Can they not make more gems? I think that's specifically mentioned in the last section we read, actually. That like, oh, really? Because Shalon is thinking about how they could make like precious stone. Oh, you're right. Quarries, you're right. They can make. But ore, she specifically but said they can't, can't make. make yeah. yeah. Weird. So yeah, that's uh, it's a no it go. is a weird kind of restriction, but it's like you know, it's like presumably there's a reason. The three law, the three magic laws in Harry Potter. I get it. There's got to be some laws, I guess. <laughs> Gamp's law of primary transfiguration. Yeah, that. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, then they just uh, they go back. They, they go back home. They leave the the crystal dead corpse just kneeling there in the alleyway, and they take off. Got to leave some sort of reminder to to anyone else who might think that's a good idea. Right. Yeah. That that's a message right there. Somebody else is just going to come along and steal it. They're like, hey, we can sell this. Let's go. No, so like, so like some other criminals are going to come along and they think, oh, cool, statue, we can sell this. And then they realize, wait a minute, I know this guy. Oh, shit. That's Bob. Who made a statue of Bob? Yeah. I was drinking with it last night. <laughs> He's not just frozen in carbonate. <laughs> he is He's dead. Out. And so Shalon is not, is not handling this well, seeing four people killed in front of her ardents are forbidden from using soul casters on people and they rarely even use them in front of other people and how would yasna hit those two men at a distance as far as shalon's ever read you have to be touching a thing that you're changing so this is impressive and on their way back yasna does call for a palanquin so it's all good and uh shalon's like that was horrible that was one of the most awful things i've ever experienced you killed four guys and yes it's like we have four men who are going to beat rob kill and uh, possibly do worse things to us and Shalon tries to say, like, you know, you tempted them. You went into this bad neighborhood and showed off your wealth. 
like intentionally trying to to get these guys to come out. And yes, it's like, well, is a woman not allowed to walk the, down a city street with her possessions out? Shalon's like, you asked, you all but asked for this to happen. And yes, it's like, yeah, but that does does that make it right? Do you condone what they were planning to do? And Shalon's like, no, but that doesn't make what you did right either. And she goes, yeah, but those men are off the street and the people are that much safer. The issue Teravangian has been so worried about has been solved and no more theater goers will fall to those thugs. How many lives did I just save? And Shalon is like, well, I know how many you took. And with the power of something that's supposed to be holy. And Yasin just goes, philosophy and action, an important lesson for you. And uh, I've been feeling like I took advantage of Teravangian's hospitality. He doesn't realize how much trouble he's going to get in by allying himself with me. Besides, men like those... And it says her voice had an edge Shalon had never heard before. And Shalon's like, what was done to you and who did it? She's thinking. But basically what she wants here is uh, she's like there's an opportunity for instruction for questions. Am I a monster? Am I a hero? Did I slaughter four men or stop four murderers from walking the streets? She wants Shalon to spend the next week thinking about this, researching the topic and to decide, make to come to her own conclusions about what Yasna did. And after they get back to the the Palanium, Shalon tries kind of one more tactic where she's like, you could have let the other three get away. You only had to kill one. They would have been too frightened to do it again after something like that. And Yasna's like, you don't know that. Besides, I wanted them gone. A careless barmaid walking home the wrong way cannot protect herself, but I can and I will. And Shalon's like, well, but you don't have the authority to do that, not in someone else's city. And Yasna's like, yeah. Another point to consider, I guess, actually, in, in your research about whether this was right or wrong. And Shalon's like, how dare she do this? How dare she make me a part of this? How dare she use something beautiful and holy as a device for destruction? Yasna d- didn't deserve to own a soul caster. And Shalon, without thinking about it anymore, makes the switch with the soul casters. She even pops like uh, the the bad gem into the, the one that she's been carrying so that it looks the same the cracked gem. And then uh, it's kind of like freaking out about what she's just done. Is Yasna going to notice? And Yasna just like cans her, her the hairbrush 50 strokes tonight, Shalon. It's been a fatiguing day. And so that's does, where the first does, book does ends. Does Yasna count? Maybe. Like, if, huh. you know, if, 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 um, if Shalon's not paying attention, does 47, does she get called on it? Could be. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe Yasna Wait. just at, the, at this point trusts Shalon to count. She counted the first few times and now she's like, okay, she does it right. But yeah, so that, that would be the end of uh, of your book if you just had the first uh, part of the UK version of The Way of Kings. Shalon steals the Soulcaster and now she's going to have to deal with whatever the repercussions of that are. Yeah, so good point to split the two books, I think, because... To, like two of our main characters, we've just hit a climax of both their stories, even if we haven't hit the end of the specific part of the book. Like, yeah, Caledon's been through the storm and survived. Shalad's done what she came here to do. Yeah, good po- good point for the interval. Yeah, I mean, if 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 these big moments are not the end of a part, what's the end of part three going to look like? I guess the end of part two wasn't like super epic or anything. So after this, we get a a cool little page of drawings of uh, shale bark. A shale snail, snail, shale snail, and some Kremlings, which Kremlings look creepy. We've heard about them crawling around on stuff, but they're just, they're crab bugs or whatever. Anyway, we move on to, 37 is called Sides, and it is five and a half years ago. 
And Tien is showing off another cool rock to Kaladin. Check out my cool rock. And they get into a discussion about Spren, and their mother, Hasina, says Spren live in everything. And Kaladin's like, they can't live in everything. His mom's like, yeah, they do. Spren appear when something changes, when fear appears, or when it begins to rain. They're the heart of change, and therefore the heart of all things. And uh, Kaladin's just kind of wanting to argue with this, but uh, like Tien pops in like, do I have a Spren? And she's like, you have a soul, dear. You're a person. But the pieces of your body may have Spren living in them. Very small ones. Kaladin is still thinking over his choice, but he thinks he's finally made his choice. Over the last several months, he's he's decided he's going to be a soldier. He was 15 now. When the next recruiter came through town, he was going to volunteer. Uh, and he is – Kaladin is peeling roots, but he's supposed to he, – he's like, I'm going to go wash them off now. But instead of doing that, he goes outside and drops them and runs off. And he goes and finds his dad who is on his way to see Bright Lord Rashon. And Kaladin's like, yeah, I'm going with you. Apparently everyone in town is talking about how Kaladin's dad was invited to eat dinner with Bright, Bright Lord Rashon. And his dad's like, well, this is not going to be a pleasant idle meal. And he's like, I'm not an idiot, Dad. Like, I know. But if you're going to conf- go confront him, then you should have some support. And his dad's like, fine, fine, come on. And he's when they're in the carriage that's come to pick him up, it's like, why didn't you let us know that you were going to do this? And Liren says, I wasn't sure I was going to go. What else would you do? Move away. Take you to Carbranth, escape this town, this kingdom, and Rashon's petty grudges. And Kellen's like, wait, wait, that's a thing that we could do? We could just leave? And this Word. and not have to suffer under this guy. And his dad's like, yeah, I mean, even if we didn't go all the way to Carbranth, like there's lots of towns that would love to have us. Most of them have never had a surgeon to heal people. We could even go to Kolinar and I could get work as a physician's assistant there. And Kyle's like, well, why don't we do that? Like, this sounds way better than what we've been doing. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense, right? We have the money. We aren't wanted here. The city lord hates us. The people don't trust us. The Stormfather himself seems inclined to knock us down. But apparently, Liren just can't do it. There's a tie between a man's home and his heart. They're mine, son, and I am theirs. I can't leave them to Rashon. Even if they like what he's doing? Especially if they like, yeah, because of that. And we find out that uh, people actually, that they don't, they're not leaving money anymore, but they do leave food. That's how we've been surviving these last four months, uh, because people leave food for us. In, in fact, it is some of the very same guys who tried to rob us that are giving us food, which makes no sense, really. But, you know, the, not, not people don't have to make sense. They go in. They start talking to Rashon. Liren makes a point that's like, I'm of second non. I have a personal invitation. Surely you wouldn't, like, not give me a place at your table. Yeah. But uh, they're not going to eat. At least not much. Uh, the the meat is this is more spicy than Kaladin's used to, so that kind of stops him a little bit. But Liren just wants to get down to talking, and Rashon's like, "Okay, fine. Do you really think you can keep defying me? Your family is destitute." And Kaladin's like, "We do just fine. And if uh, if if it doesn't work out here, we can leave. I'm not gonna bend to your will." And Rashon's like, "If you leave, I'm gonna contact your new city lord and tell him about the spheres stolen from me," which is hilarious because they were not his regardless of whether they were stolen or not. And Liren's like, I would yeah. win an inquest, so screw you. In his mind, they were his. Apparently, yeah. And uh, Rashon's like, yeah, you would win an inquest. You were very meticulous to prepare exactly the right documents. You are the only one with him when he stamped them. Odd that his clerks weren't there. And his, well, the clerks read him the documents, and then he asked them to leave. 
So, like, they have told you this. And Kaladin is still trying to think, like, this guy's not, a, he's not one of the good light, he's not one of the real light eyes. He's like a reject from light-eyed society. I'll, I'll see the real ones eventually. And we, we get Rashon's, Rashon's real complaint here, I think, is what we get to where he's like, I don't like your little town. I don't like being treated like an exile, living so far from everything important. And most of all, I do not like dark eyes who think themselves above their stations. And I love Liren's response of, I have trouble feeling sympathy for you. <laughs> uh, I don't like your jerk off name. I don't like your jerk off <laughs> face. And I don't like you jerk off. And this uh, this guy apparently thinks that uh, you know being light eyes means he just gets whatever he wants. But he, he he's like, okay, fine. Let let's make a deal. I'll take nine tenths of the spheres, and you can have the rest. Like, how like freaking how generous! Yeah. yeah. How in what universe is that a deal? It's like, well, the spheres are legally mine, so you can have zero percent of them. So that <laughs> you would can be... have kiss my ass. How about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, it's like if you're going to say that you want a portion of my spheres, what are you giving in return? Not harassing me? That's not really enough. Oh, and then uh, Liren senses like Kaladin's like, my father will never. And Liren's like, Cal, just uh, how about you go to a different room? Get some get some other food in the kitchen. And Callan goes off to the kitchen and does, in fact, get some other food that's more to his taste than the super spicy light eyes male food. And the in comes. Meal. Yeah, the kids meal. Exactly. He, he gets a happy meal. It's all good. And in comes Rashon's son, Relier, complaining about, like, how provincial this is out here. It's like, still, you've been there for a while at this point, dude. When are you going to let it go? Right. And along with Relier is Laurel, Wistio's daughter. Kaladin has not seen in a while. Did she know that his parents had been hoping to marry him to her? And he thinks like how grown up she looks. She's in a woman's dress. She has like the, the sleeve hiding her safe hand. She looks like a light eyed woman, which she is. So, yeah. And then Rolera is just like, yeah, you be a good lad and fetch us some supper. We'll take it here in the nook. And Cal's like, yeah, I'm not a kitchen servant. And the guy's like, and do it anyway. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm Laurel. Tell him that I'm not. And she's just like, well, go on, boy. Do as you're told. We're hungry. Which, damn, girl. All right. I see how it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, real uh, real dick move. And uh, he's like, I'm not an errand boy. I don't care what you say, what you what you offer me. I'm a surgeon. And he's like, oh, you're that one's son. He's like, yeah, and I'm not going to be bullied by you, just like my dad's not going to be bullied by your dad. Father didn't mention how amusing you were. And then uh, Relier goes goes uh, continues on to like kind of talk circles around Kaladin about like, Oh, if you're supposed to help the sick, I mean, if I don't eat, I'll get sick. Isn't that, uh, isn't it your duty to feed me? And Kaladin's like, that's not the same. He's like, well, I think they're very similar. So how's those monkey bars since you're reaching so much. And, uh, after he's, uh, he's talked down to him a bunch, he turns to Laurel and he's like, you see how his little mind works like a dying fire, burning what fuel it has, pumping out smoke. Oh, look, his face grows red from the heat of it. Which you really should just like slug him at this point, but that's probably a bad idea. <laughs> and then his dad comes to get him and he's like, uh, oh, Kaladin, you didn't eat. You should have. It was free. Come on. Yeah. It's like, yeah, should have eaten, buddy. Didn't cost me anything. And so Kaladin has decided he wants to be a surgeon. And his dad's like, yeah, I know. He's like, no, really. I want to be a surgeon. I don't want to run away and join the war. And Lyrid's like, wait, what? You were going to do that? That was something you were thinking about? <laughs> Wait, are we on the same page? Who? 
And Calvin's like, yeah, I was going to do that, but now I'm not. Okay, what made you change your mind? I need to know how they think. They're trained to speak their sentences in knots, and I have to be able to face them and talk back at them. For all his talk of wanting to be a warrior, uh, wanting to be a warrior being childish, I-, I feel like this reasoning for becoming a surgeon is equally childish. Yeah, it's super it's like, immature. I agree. I-, I don't want them to be able to make fun of me, so I'm going to learn how to be a surgeon so they they can't make fun of me. It works so well for your dad. No one ever like talks shit about him, right? Whatever. He's he's like, how many spheres did you agree to give him? And his dad's like, yeah, I didn't give him a thing. We talked for a while, and then I pretended to get hot-headed and left. He's like, pretended? Oh, yeah. He has to think that we're going to give in. So I'm going to – today's meeting was about giving him the appearance of desperation. He'll let me stew for a while, invite me back in a few months after he lets me sweat it out. If I give him anything, it'll just make him greedy for the rest. And he's nearly broke from losing political battles. And I still don't know which High Lord was behind sending him here, but I wish I had him in a few for a few moments in a dark room. And so basically they're just going to delay until it's time for Kaladin to go off to school. And then one day they'll, he'll just be gone and there will be nothing the guy can do about it. But during the discussion, uh, Kaladin realizes something. He's like, as they talk, he's like, why would you do that? Unless you did steal the spheres. That's why you've been so tense. The, the drinking and the worrying. You're a thief. And uh, Liren says, Wistio is not lucid in his final days. I knew that with his death, we'd lose the promise of a union. Loral wasn't old enough yet. And the new Sea Lord would not let a Dark Eyes take her inheritance through marriage. So you robbed him? I made certain that promises were kept. I had to do something I couldn't trust to the generosity of the new, uh, the new Sea Lord, wisely, as you can see. And it turns out not only did Liren do this, uh, Kaladin's mom was also involved. Which she would have to be like Liren can't write up the agreements or whatever. And so he's just like, oh, like he's his what he like has always thought of his dad as has just like taken a shift. But it it doesn't change anything. He's still going to he's going to go off and go to study in uh, and become a surgeon. And he agrees not to tell Tian either. But we end with Kaladin deciding he wants to start going by his full name. It's a man's name. He'd always disliked how it sounded. Like the name of a light eyes, but now it seemed to fit. I'm a, I'm a man now. <laughs> and Liren's like, all right, very well, Kaladin. And that's the end of our chapters. So, so it's a very, it's kind of a pivotal moment in young Kaladin's life where uh, he learns something about his dad and decides that he wants to be called Kaladin and makes the decision that he's going to go and be a surgeon. Although at the beginning of the chapter, he'd finally made the decision that he was going to join the army. So, who knows yeah. if this one will stick any more than the last one did? Fickle, fickle teenager. Big surprise. Oh, yeah. Good point. So, yeah, that's our three chapters. Uh, predictions. Predigments. What is, where are we going from here? Oh, gosh. I just – I so many things were kind of put spun on their heads This this in this section. I mean, we kind of knew Kaladin was, was probably going to survive the storm. So, as far as that goes, we've uh, maybe – he'll finally be recognized in some way or if i was sedaeus i'd probably be like look these guys are troublemakers i'm just i'm just gonna you know what might happen is uh sedaeus might be like hey dalinar i hear you're you're thinking about using some uh some some people that run bridge crews like i do tell you what why don't uh why don't i give you my best bridge crew and uh, you can you can see <laughs> how it works. Bridge crew, yeah, okay, yeah. You can see how it works out. 
and uh, maybe that's how Kaladin gets, you know, gets out of out from under Sedasis' thumb. I would go with that. Why not? Shalan, I have no idea. I mean, I can, she can't stay because I mean, yes, is gonna figure it out pretty quick, I would think. Or this, and I don't remember if I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I kept I've kept thinking it over and over. What if her, what if her soulcaster is not broken and she was just like that dude lied to them and they were just too stupid <laughs> to know they just had that no it wasn't idea. broken. <laughs> yeah, and it actually works just fine. And Yasna's gonna put it on and and work it and and she's gonna be like, wait, what the fuck? What, That'd be hilarious. Yeah, I, I've kept having that thought over and over. And then when she's like, oh hey, since that one works, uh, I gotta tell you something. I switched these out. This is actually your regular one. Can you show me how to use that? And then Shalan's going to learn. <laughs> you think Yasna would just take that in stride? Like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss this week. I, I have no idea where we're going now. All of your, your well, not all of your expectations. Everyone predicted Kaladin would survive the high storm. I don't right. think that's a shot. But yeah. you, you were you were sure that like Shalan's not going <laughs> to be able to do it. And right. you were right for like that that long and then it switched but yeah it's been turned on its head now yeah i have like i'm so clueless now what's gonna happen with her because it's like is she gonna run away is yasna gonna find out and forgive her is yasna gonna find out and not forgive her and then she has to stay away from yasna like i have no idea okay that's fair i freaking love the idea that like the soul caster wasn't actually broken Right. I, I mean, I'm serious. I've thought about that like s- many times. Be like, what if it's not broken? What if she's just like they just don't know enough, and they just took this guy's word for it? Because it sounds like this dude was pretty shady when it comes down to it. Because oh, sure. other people were looking for him, and then he died or whatever. So I was like, you know, I'm like what if what if this dude this dude actually lied and it's not broken? What if it was it was a lie to like get Shalan out from her? Like asshole brothers. I mean, it could it's be. Like, take take the soulcaster and totally replace it. Wink. And he's actually saying, take the soulcaster. <laughs> and and she's just like she has no no uh, radar for uh, for like <laughs> for sneaking around. So she's just like, well, uh, okay, if you say <laughs> so. Yeah. But I, I, I like the idea that Shalant come back. They've got this working soulcaster, and they hear these that Shalant, that Yasna is continuing to perform miracle feats with her soulcaster. And they're like, oh shit, oh shit. But as as for my prediction, so I've got one this week, and it's about Yasna and Shalant. I think that Yasna is setting Shalant up. I think that she has sort of obliquely pushed uh, Shalant into stealing the soulcaster. I think she she already made some remark about expecting Shalan to do it and sell it to the uh, to, and take it to the Ardens because she knows about Shalan's beliefs and Shalan's faiths and she expected Shalan to be horrified by her little demonstration with the muggers and that mm. was just to be a little push for like you know there's a there's a thing uh, Shalan thinks oh like how can you use something so wonderful and holy for such a, hor- a horrific act that was deliberate to push her into going you shouldn't have this and take it so i so yeah i feel like you know yasna does her research and shalan was following her around for a while i think maybe the reason yasna kept shalan on the run trying to catch up with her was so she could do her research about shalan and her family and work out what the situation was and why this girl was pursuing her so aggressively 
and so she's she's figured out what Shalan needs somehow and has made some plans around it happening. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what need Yasna has for it, but she has set up like she she needs Shalan to steal the Soulcaster, and she has done so so that she has an excuse to chase her. The Ardents have been uh, the Ardents have been asking her to steal it thing. That was to put Shalan in a false sense of security, so Shalan thinks Yasna will go to the Ardents rather than her, but Yasna will be following Shalan pretty closely. Maybe she's um, connected to the Ghostblood somehow and knows that they gave her a Soulcaster, which is now broken. So she's trying to do this without making, without politically making it look like she's doing it, and then she's got something else up. So I, don't, I don't know what the end game is, but I, I am certain now that Yasna needed this to happen, and she's planned it. You're certain, okay? Yeah, yeah. I, well, let's fuck it. Let's go all in on this. I like this idea that uh, I mean, this this would make Yasna just like one of those super masterminds who's like, like a Batman thinking like four steps ahead. And I like this idea. We've we've been impressed all around yeah, with her. Everything we've seen, like, her, I could 100% so believe that. Yeah. So I, I'd I'd love to see that. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I I, I like Batman characters who are who who are always thinking five steps ahead and stuff. That's uh. That's a lot of fun. Who the hell are you? I'm Yasman. <laughs> okay, so taking Dax's theory a little bit in a bit of a different direction, just because it popped into my head there. If imagine if Yasna had already done the switch, so she had a broken one, switched it with one for one that worked, perhaps Shalan's father, and then needed it switched back so that no one figured out that she stole one, like hers was broken all along, and now they've just switched them back. That would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And so now she's going a long way. <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't know. I just, it just popped in my head, and I was like, okay, I'll share it. Um, yeah, so I, I think the clock's ticking now with how far Salon can go before she leaves. I think she has the perfect excuse now to be completely horrified by Yasna and, and not want to be a part of that to to leave before suspicion arises that she's stolen the Soulcaster. It would not surprise me if, as Dax said, it was a setup, but I don't know. There's so many ways that that could play out now. I'd like to see Shalane manage to get back to her family, but if they still don't know how to use the Soulcaster, I don't know that they're in any better position than what they were. It would be funny, though, if it was completely functional and they swapped it out. Although I think if Shalane was there and realised that they both worked, like she could run away, but then Yasna has still got a working Soulcaster, which is terrifying. Like what would she do with that if she found out that Yasna, uh, sorry, if she found out that Shalan had swapped them out. Like, I wouldn't want to be the en- on the other end of that wrath. <laughs> You'd have to try and make a pretty logical argument to Yasna, and I just don't see how Shalan's going to go with that. So I think she's she's got to get out quickly, but she can't be too sus about when she does it. I don't really have a lot else. There was something earlier that I was like, no, I'll leave that for predictions, and I don't remember what that was. It was a thought that had popped in my head and it was gone. I did I, I was thinking a bit about like the the explanation for what spren are. It's like when something's changing, there's a spren for that. And I felt like that just helped me understand that a little bit better 
which was was quite good. But then trying to plug that back into what SIL is. I still don't think SIL is a spren, but maybe maybe like some hybrid thing between a spren and a soul. Like Kaladin's on the cusp of a change, whether he's able to tap into the investiture or uh, you know, charging his soul or something. So maybe still represents that. Like she's she's like a spren with a soul. I don't know. Maybe uh, I don't know. But I think that I think those are maybe linked to what's happening there. But I don't really know what that means hmm, for Cal. Okay. Forward. There's definitely. I mean, there's obviously something more going on. Teft is going to be the answers. I think to those questions we have about what's happening there with Khaled and you being able to use the stormlight without even knowing he's doing it. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Teft. He needs to live so we get answers to questions. Which I hope <laughs> won't be too far away. It's sad because like Kaladin doesn't know the answers either. So I'm sure he would also love to get these answers. <laughs> it's true. Very true. But about Shalon, I like what you said and we've we've touched on it before, like now that the Soulcaster is switched, if she disappears immediately, then and then Yasna finds out, it's going to look super suspicious. And we've already we've already established where her brother's like, oh yeah, if she knows we took it, then she'll complain to the king and he'll have us executed. So that you, you end the story. But you, I didn't even consider what you said that now Shalon has an excuse to be like, this horrific thing happened. I can't stay here anymore. I, I'm leaving. That might be an excuse that someone would buy, uh, but if it still coincides with the Soulcaster disappearing, would it still look suspicious? I don't know. I think it. I think it would still look suspicious, but you'd almost need to. You would almost need to like drop it off for repair or get the stone, like whatever was happening with it, and like I don't know, have her witness that it's dropped off or it's still there or something. There needs to be. There needs to be like Shalan leaving and then a sighting of the Soulcaster somehow to to get suspicion mm. removed. But there is no way she could leave and then just find out that it doesn't work. But maybe maybe they don't think it's through that much. Maybe they go, oh yeah, no, this happens. You know, you crack a stone and needs recalibration or something like that. Like maybe this is just the perfect opportunity for her to leave. But yeah. Shalan and Yasna are such big characters in what we're reading. I can't imagine that Shalan could just leave and we follow Shalan and not see what's going on with Yasna. So I don't think it's going to be that simple. That's that's also a really good point. And I think Joe had made that point. That was one of the reasons he didn't think that she'd steal it. Because it's like, well, is Shalan just going to go home? Like, is that really the, the direction the story would take? So because then, yeah, we're splitting this up and it would be it would be weird but if that's not the way it goes what does happen hmm Duh. got nothing for you this week sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's fair yes okay oh so yes we've these these both of that's both of these chapters uh, even i'm kind of like putting the flashback chapter in a different category like let's let's put that to the side but the other two chapters have both raised some very interesting questions for us Including, what, there's a creepy face in the storm that smiles at you. What the hell is up with that? It's just creepy. <laughs> <laughs> there's no other purpose. It's just creepy. <laughs> yeah, just there to be creepy. Yep. The, this the, Dak is saying that it's the shard, so maybe this planet shard is the shard of creep, creep it too. Creepy, uh, whatever. We haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. 
I, and I, I'm with Jamie. Kaladin needs to survive because we need answers. I want answers too. All right, let's 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 do our let's do the next thing. We're gonna we don't have any new patrons. We don't have any new reviews. So we'll read uh, the last couple of emails that we have in our email uh, box here. The first one is from Nick. And it says, hey, Data, new listener from the UK, just discovered the podcast, working my way through Stormlight again, ahead of Wind and Truth, and this will be the perfectly paced reread for me. My wife and I just had a little girl, so might not have the same time I once did to read. Have checked, no allomantic abilities thus far. Podcasts with summaries are the next best thing, so appreciate your recaps. I, I hope that you didn't check if the little girl had allomantic abilities by, like, feeding her metal. Just saying yeah, that. That seems irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. That is not a balanced irresponsible diet. indeed. Uh, started on episode 166 last week and already at 174 trying to play catch up. Looking forward to getting active on the Discord too. Maybe Ju- Oh no, you're going to skip that line for now. He's going to skip it because it was about me and I'm a jerk. No, it's got potential spoilers for uh, so yeah. No. And then he has a, a quote of the five-star review he left on Apple Podcasts. Uh, uh, Chartable does show that we had a new review in Great Britain on January 3rd from Nick. And what Nick says is a storming great listen. Found the pod after starting my own Stormlight Archive reread ahead of the of SA5 release this year. Was originally worried that a podcast in this format would be four voices talking, all talking over each other. But the structure is great and Data does a great job in steering the gang. Looking forward to catching up on episodes and may even delve into the Mistborn back catalog when the time comes for Era 3. Whoa. Sweet. Thanks for the review. You can have the power of a coin shot, just like our good old friend Wax. Nice. Very good. Going around coin shotting people, flying through the air. It's a fun power to have. Uh, Okay. Continuing with the email. He says, crab at thee. Keep up the good work. From Nick. And then, P.S., must take a fair amount of time and organization to edit and keep the pod on track. So I've subscribed on the Patreon, too. Hope this gets you a coffee or two. I'm currently rereading The Sunlit Man, so we'll check out your musings on this. Or I'm sorry, I'm currently oh, wow. reading. Currently reading The Sunlit Man, so we'll check out your musings on this. So we so, didn't have any new patrons. In my, were we uh, no, that, that one we definitely did t- cover. No, that one we covered on the last episode. Nick was one of the people you gave powers to last time. Okay. He was our. We had one new misting and two new Shardavan and Nalsium backers, and Nick was the new misting. So, thank you, Nick, for your review and your email. We appreciate you. Fun fact: I don't drink coffee, so can. That's uh, true. Yeah, I, 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 the the smell of coffee does uh, brings back unpleasant memories. Oh, okay. Well, it's like in it's like second grade or something when we were doing a, a unit on the five senses and she. Oh wait, out, yeah, you talked about this. Yeah, I've talked about that. She gave us raw coffee grounds to taste, and uh, it it was not good. Ever since then, I just can't. Although in hindsight, maybe we were supposed to smell it, and I tasted it when I shouldn't have. It's a long time ago now, and I don't remember for sure. So the next person, the next email is from Brian, and I was thrown off at first because. They also sent us an email in May, and then they kind of just, like, forwarded off of that email to send this one. I was like, wait, did they send two emails? But pretty sure we've touched on the first one. So Brian says, finally all cut up at last. Again. Hello, Sander Lynch crew. It's your number 17th biggest fan from Winnipeg again. It's been a minute. I just finished binging eight months of your episodes. We really should stop meeting this way. White Sand. You just had to read White Sand. 
It took months to find copies to read. Thank you, Winnipeg Public Library. By the time I finally read it and continued listening to your podcast, you were several episodes into The Way of Kings. But I made it to the current episodes again. And in celebration, I joined the Patreon. Yay! At about the midpoint between emails, I got my dream job and am making bank. So why not contribute to one of the things that really kept me going during a rough time? Oh, dude, congrats. Uh, yeah, congrats, Brian. I'm glad that you're you're enjoying your new uh, your new employment. That's always nice. Yeah. Uh, to which I'd previously asked not to be assigned an allomantic ability after m- my review for a variety of for ugh, I'm sorry after my review for reasons. Era two was the reason. If I'm not mistaken, my forethought and Patreon level might just warrant a little something something from Joe. Or dare I ask to hold off until a few more books into the Stormlight Archive? No, I shan't. I can't wait for you guys to finish The Way of Kings. I'm convinced the word Sander Lanch exists because of this book. No piece of media has made me say, what? No, what? No. So many times in such a short span. My jaw is still dropped. Uh, Dak, Jamie, and Joe, you continue to flummox me with how spot on some of your predicaments can be. Data, I look forward to listening to your secret project recordings just as soon as I start reading them. They've just been sitting on my shelf taunting me. I have to read another terrible book first at a friend's request. Hey, I guess I've got more stuff to binge after all. Lots of thanks. Seriously, lots of thanks. Oodles of thanks for for the fun content. P.S. This part's just for you, Data. I won't read that. Also, I joined the Patreon using this email and the name Castle Bravo. You're officially my first Patreon, and I don't really know how it works on your end. Also, also, I'm a shard of Adenalsium-level patron, and I'm your 17th biggest fan in Winnipeg. Does that make me the 17th shard? No, it does not. But what if? And so... uh, Yes, we did give uh, Castle Bravo. That was one of the, another of the new patrons we read off last time. So they got a they I got know, a power. Th- I, yeah, I don't know what power I gave him, unfortunately. I was gonna say, yeah, that's the problem with uh, n- now going back to their review because they're like, hey, don't give me power at the time, and now they want a power. So Joe will Joe will give you the review power, but since he does not remember what he said last week, there's no way that he can try to make it cool a uh, cool combination. I, Sorry. I mean, I'm pretty sure. If if I'm remembering correctly, that I I might have given him the investiture storage, in which case a misting power is probably not going to compound with that. You know, I, I would true, say true. that you know that's not how it works. So since I don't believe he could be a compounder based on what I've previously awarded him and the timing of this email being read, then I would have to just assign him a power. So uh, I'm going to give him one of my favorite powers. I'm going to make him a Tenai. Yeah. So I tried to bring up uh, the last episode and listen to it, see if I could find it, but it's uh, it's more tricky to figure out exactly when that came up. So there you go. Tenai and whatever the heck you were last time. I hope it was worth the wait, Brian. Thank you for your email. Thank you for leaving us the review way back when. Thank you for becoming a patron. We appreciate all of these things. You're awesome. If anyone would like to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, X, and Patreon, where this week I messed up the week that we're recording this, and I just realized today that no new episodes went up on Tuesday or Thursday. And usually if I – if my scheduling messes up and the episode don't post. Somebody says something in the discord like, Hey, is there going to be a new episode today? And I go and fix it. Nobody mentioned it this week. So it wasn't until we record this on Saturday that I was like, Oh, nothing happened on Tuesday and Thursday. Whoops. And so, uh, yeah, fixing that for next week. But, um, my bad, uh, I'm still in the middle of my defiant reread 
And so if you're interested in hearing my reactions to Defiant, it's it's weird because with Cosmere books, there's a lot of like Cosmere theorizing that you can do uh, or that I can do while reading these things for the first time. But I feel like with this book, I've had a lot more to say on just like character stuff. Like I'll have long periods of uh, discussing the main character and my feelings about her, which in like much more deeply than I have in some of the other books that we've read. So maybe maybe that just speaks to uh, Defiant or that series being uh, really well written from a character perspective. I don't know. But yeah, that's what's going on there. For anyone following along, next week we are going to – well, no, hold on. Next week we are not going to have an episode. I am leaving – uh, one week from today on my honeymoon. And so I will not be able to record that day. So the week after this episode, you will not get a new episode. The week after that, we will be reading four new chapters. So 38, 39, 40, and 41 for those following along. And then I, I mentioned that we were going to be gone a bit in February. And actually I didn't realize how close it, we were. It like that'll, that first one that we missed will actually be in January. And so no new episode next week. Back for two weeks after that, and then I will be going to Australia and gone for two weeks after that. So on this week, off next week, back for two, gone for two, and then back again is uh, the theoretical schedule at this point. Although I don't know for sure that between the time we record and the time I leave, I will have time to edit an episode that week. So it may end up getting pushed back a little further. But yes, so that is what to expect coming up there. Uh, I'm forgetting anything. With episodes. Yeah, right. Is there an episode so, this week? Is there not? Spin that wheel and find out. <laughs> so sorry, y'all, that uh, we'll be we'll be off the air a bit, but uh, you know, I'm going places. I'm doing things. Uh, I'm I'm not uh, not going to pay for cruise ship internet. Not to mention the fact that changing time zones. I don't I don't know how uh, to track that well to try to record. Uh, but yes, so four chapters for the next episode. Music by Miracle of Sound. Thank you. Patrons, thank you, emailers, people hanging out on the Discord, chatting there. If you want to join our Discord, you can find the link on our website, www.thesandralanch.com. And, wasn't to the time of next, Colo, P.S. Fasher. Crab at thee.